episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the rejoiceful Rob Kelly. Rejoicing Rob Kelly. The guy who's happy, Mr. Rob Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) There is freedom within, there is freedom without. Try to catch the deluge in a paper cup. I'm just getting the song singing out of the way. There. Okay. Wow. Everybody's been demanding it lately. Oh man, I I just want to go on record. I have not. Um, There's a battle ahead. Many battles are lost, but you'll never see the end of the road while you're traveling with me. Oh, folks, this is where we pull the surprise on you and tell you that we're changing the format of the Firewall Podcast. It's going to be all singing it's all what you the time. Call added value. You're so lucky. Just wait for the Christmas episode. I'm going to bust out with "Walking in a Winter Wonderland." So, we are back for our monthly review episode where we talk about the latest issues of Aquaman and a classic issue, a classic, as my friend Rob likes to say, issue of Firestorm. But first, we need to take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, the Fire and Water podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob? Uh, I started catching up on some of uh, the uh, net, sort of our Friends Network's podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is Warlord Worlds Ooh. by our pals down on Ruth Sutherland. I had a bunch of episodes uh, in the queue, and I finally got around to it, and I really enjoyed it. It's a really fun show and a great idea of like covering one creator across whatever projects they've worked on. I can't think of another show like that. So anyway, I thought it was really cool. So that led me, of course, to the work of Mike Grell on Instock Trades, and that led me to Green Arrow Volume 1, Hunter's Moon, which collects uh, Green Arrows 1 through 6, which is the uh, the late 80s series. Of course, it's written by Mike Grell. The artists are Ed Hannigan, Dick Giordano, Frank McLaughlin. The cover is by Mike Grell. It's 160 pages. Normal price, $14.99. Instock Trades price, $8.24. 45% off. 
Green Arrow. Everybody loves Green Arrow. This is a cool book and a good place to start because it's the first six issues of the series. Well, everyone loves Green Arrow, and everyone loves the Mike Rell incarnation. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So, absolutely. Uh, I picked one completely kind of, I don't, I don't want to say random, but I just kind of strolled through the in-stock trades catalog for a while. I thought, you know what, I want to pick something different than what I normally pick. So I found, it's a Marvel trade paperback, and it's actually, it's called Black Widow Itsy Bitsy Spider trade paperback. And this collects two different um, Black Widow trade uh, miniseries that came out in the 2000s, and one in, well, one in 1999, one in 2001. They're both three-issue series. But check out this, uh, this, this writing credentials and, and artistry. It's Devin Grayson writes one of the miniseries. Greg Rucka, yeah, Greg Rucka writes one of the other ones. Art by J.G. Jones and Scott Hampton. Let me tell you, I bought these when they came out, and I loved them. And basically what the gist of it is, is Black Widow's past starts catching up with her. The Soviet Union, well, I guess Russia. Russia has appointed a new Black Widow. Uh, she's blonde, and she's basically coming to take out Natasha. And these are really, really enjoyable miniseries. And let me tell you, you guys, you know me. Um, I'm kind of a bit of a pig. <laughs> and the art in this thing is astronomically hot. I mean, J.G. Jones. The covers, I mean, I'm biting my fist being like, oh, man, I think I need a moment. They're so hot. And it's a great story. I mean, Greg Rucka, I know, I'm terrible. Greg Rucka writing espionage, incredibly hot art. It's it's you know Black Widow who totally kicks ass. So I this this gets my high recommendation. I enjoyed the hell out of these things when they came out. I haven't read them since, but I gotta imagine they've held up. They've got this again great collection. Black Widow, Itsy Bitsy Spider. It is um, oh I don't see the page count. Normal oh here it is 152 pages and normally retails for um I'm sorry I'm having a hard time with this entry. Normally retails for 19.99. That's what she said. Oh, <laughs> normally retails for $19.99. Uh, it's currently 42% off on in-stock trades. You can get it for $11.59, and you will not regret it. So, And by the way, someone needs to start a Black Widow podcast, I think. So, But for these and all your trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Uh, now, normally this is where we would start the show proper, but we have some very exciting news. We have another sponsor. Woohoo! Can you believe it? Someone else is sponsoring... The Fire and Water Podcast. This is amazing. So uh, it's a comic book called The Only Living Boy. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it here. It says, get ready for high adventure with the new children's adventure series, The Only Living Boy. Harvey Award winners David Gallagher and Steve Ellis critically acclaimed web series to print is now a riveting graphic novel exclusively from paper cuts. Uh, When Eric runs away from home, he finds himself lost without his memory on a patchwork planet under a broken moon. He may be the only living boy, but he's not alone. The world is filled with dangerous creatures fighting to decide who is the hunter and who is the hunted. He'll need help from mermaid warrior Morgan and Thea, an insect princess, to escape the foes pitted against them by the dreaded Lord Balakar and fiendish Dr. Once. Can Eric defeat their evil plans and find his way home? Mental Floss calls The Only Living Boy an all-ages adventure book inspired by pulp serials, Saturday morning cartoons, Jack Kirby, and even the music of Paul Simon. The Only Living Boy, Volume 1, Prisoner of the Patrick Planet, is on sale in bookstores everywhere on March 8th. Learn more at olbcomic.com. Uh, David uh, was very nice to nice enough to send uh, Shag and I a copy of this comic, and so we both looked it over, and I thought it was terrific. It's uh, the artwork is beautiful, the story is really captivating. It's a really solid book. I'm really really impressed because I had not even heard of this thing before now, and there are a lot of influences I saw in there. Jack Kirby definitely, Paul Simon, sure, right there in the title. Uh, it was really cool, and we're very proud to be able to mention this to you on the show. So everybody, check out the Only Living Boy. I, I have to say, I really enjoyed listening to you read uh, copy. Um, <laughs> you did a very nice job. I Thank thought you. it was good. <laughs> um, 
but stepping away from the you know the sort of the canned promotion guys, I actually took a chance to read this myself. What I've done is it's the the book is ninety pages and it's broken up into chapter one and two. I just read chapter one to start with because I figured we're going to be talking about it for a few weeks. So I thought this would be fun. I'll read the first chapter, give it a couple quick thoughts, and then next time we get together, I'll be able to talk about chapter two. So. I had a heck of a lot of fun with this. But as far as the pedigree goes, you know, Rob talked about the writer and the artist. Where you might know these guys from, I don't know if you remember, remember Zuda Comics? I that do. Was a, that was DC's online digital initiative back around, I don't know, 2007 or something like that. There's, there's a lot of them out there. Some were good, some not so much. But the two that most people remember are uh, Bayou, which was great, and High Moon, which is the one about the old West, uh, the Western werewolf story. These are the guys that did High Moon. So you know going in, this thing's going to be good. And it is a fun adventure story. It has got a great all-ages all vibe. To, for, I don't know if you got this, Rob, but I got like a 1980s vibe coming off this thing. Like, and these, everything I'm about to say are compliments, I promise you folks. But like the, the boy running around with, a, with, the, with the stuffed animal, uh, or backpack, whatever you want to call it, it kind of it gave me like a Calvin and Hobbes vibe, kind of, you know, a little blonde-headed boy with a big imagination. The insect princess. Now, I may be reading more into this, by the way. I should, yeah, I should, I should quantify all these comments. I saw what I wanted to see. I don't know if these are really intentional nods to the 80s, but I saw them, and I got excited. The, the Insect Queen, she's part of a race called something like Sectarians or something like that. <laughs> do you remember the Sectars? I do remember the yeah. Sectars. Yeah. So I'm like, dude! Then the Broken Moon hanging in the sky. It's not exactly the same, but it reminds me of the Broken Moon from Thundar. You know, and then they, they're thrown together, this team of desperate characters from different backgrounds, and it just feels totally 80s. That, and you mentioned, you know, the Jack Kirby vibe, the only living boy, feels a little bit of commandy. Yes, yes, absolutely commandy, isn't it? So I've only read the first chapter, like I said. The art is great. It's riveting. The writing is solid. I'm having a blast with it, so I'm, I can't wait to read it in chapter two. So the only living boy, where did they pick it up again, Rob? OLBcomic.com, and plus bookstores on March 8th. Our thanks to uh, our thanks to them and Instar Trades for sponsoring the Fire and Water Podcast. So, all right, well, let's get into this, folks. We got a lot to talk about today. We do. First thing we want to talk about is the Fire and Water Podcast Network has grown. You guys have heard us talking about it for a little while now. The Fire and Water Podcast, as it started, grew. It added shows. Now we're forming a network. We got friends joining us. We are very nearly up and running. <laughs> Damn gremlins. <laughs> little website bugs, but I think we've hammered them all down. Uh, in fact, folks, you can go out and visit the site now. It's fireandwaterpodcast.com. If you run into any bugs or some sort of issues, let us, we're working on it. I promise it'll be done very soon. You'll be able to subscribe to all of our shows individually. So if you just want to get the Fire and Water podcast, you can. If you just want to get the Who's Who podcast, you can. If you just want to get Power Records for some bizarre reason, you can get that one. Uh, that was a little digger. <laughs> that was a big dig, wasn't it? <laughs> And uh, or you can get all the shows on the same on this same feed. You're getting this right now. You'd still get all the shows. Plus, you get all the partners that are joining us, like Secret Origins and the Star Wars shows. I mean, there's just a ton of this. Stuff. This feed is going to have a lot of content. It's <laughs> going to be awesome. You have, it's you'll be have no need to blessed. listen to other podcasts <laughs> with just this one feed. We're going to take care of that for you. So uh, we, we've updated our hashtag. You guys have known for a long time we used FW Podcast. Well, since we've grown, we've added an S. We're plural now. Oh, it's so one we, extra letter. Oh God, it's so long now. Only, you only get 140 on Twitter, so so it's pound FW podcasts with the S at the end. Please use that on the social medias when you want to chat about everything we're going to tell you about with Aquaman and Firestorm today. So feel free to shout out and give us that hashtag, so we'll be able to catch you in the next time. So yeah, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Very exciting stuff, um, and we've got new shows adding. Like I said, uh, right. Um, Ryan Daly's bringing in his Give Me Those Star Wars podcast. He's bringing in a Power of Fishnets podcast dedicated to Zatanna and Black Canary. Um, uh, since Scott 
Scott. Whoops. Sorry, Cindy. I named your wrong husband. Chris and Cindy Franklin are bringing their Supermates podcast. I'm launching a new Justice League International podcast. It's like Rob said. We're going to keep you busy all the time with podcasts. And I can speak with authority that the first episode of Give Me the Star Wars is really good. <laughs> At least one half of it is. <laughs> So, all right, I want to move on, because we're pressed for time, I want to move on to the next thing. Have you heard about Justice League Action yet? Yes, I saw the promo, not the promo, but I saw the press release when it came out. Yeah. New animated series coming out, based on the Justice League. It it looks like it's going to be a little more kid-friendly, not kid-friendly is not the right phrase, but it's going to be more targeted towards a younger set than probably Justice League Unlimited was, but it looks like an absolute blast. And, here's the important thing, which you haven't read in the articles yet, but I can vouch for... And I'm not going to tell you why I know. Uh, Firestorm's in it. Uh, there's artwork out there for him. Uh, there's In the original promotional poster, there was a silhouette of him. Uh, he, Firestorm's in Justice League action. I can't believe it. And you take that. At the same time, Legends of Tomorrow is over on TV, which, by the way, stepping uh, breaking the fourth wall a bit. Watch that tonight, third episode. Firestorm's, Firestorm's on TV in live action. He's going to be an animated series. He's got his, you know, he's going to be in the Legends of Tomorrow comic this year. 2016, Firestorm is back, big time. Now we just need him to get a headline his own series in the, sometime soon. As we've seen, DC takes a while to get that. They're just putting out a Supergirl comic now, even though the show <laughs> has been coming for months. So they'll get to it. Well, they've got some big, um, some big announcements going coming up with uh, what's it called, Rebirth? I think is what it's called. Yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah, we'll have to find out when they draw that curtain back. So. All right, what else? We, um, I guess we should just get into the comics here. Right? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> We're only uh, 19 minutes into the podcast, something like that. Well, this is Rob- not going to take long uh, because, look, as everybody remembers from the last review episode, I pretty much bagged on the last two issues of Aquaman, uh, and I'm going to do that here. Uh, I'm really not going to, and except I'm not going to be super negative because I just don't have anything to say about them. Uh, I think uh, – Basically, the 47 of issue of Aquaman is, you know, by Colin Bunn and Vicente Fuentes, John Dell, and some others. Aquaman enlists the Justice League to help him defeat the bad guys. At the end of the book, Mira is freed. Uh, she's apparently freed from any sort of anatomy, too, because all of a sudden her jugs just got uh, ridiculously huge. I don't know where that came from. Why are we complaining about um, that? Oh, okay, come on. They, they, all right, anyway, uh, and then Aquaman 48, which is the last issue by Colin Bunn. Uh, said him and the issue basically ends up with him and Mira reunited, and the final issue, the final page of the story has all of the the uh, people from the interdimensional, thing, you know, interdimensional dimension uh, that are now part of his kingdom, and it ends with Aquaman saying, uh, "You know, I could barely handle the kingdom I have. What am I going to do with all these refugees?" And then right at the end, there's this slapped-on thing that says, "Next, join new writer Dan Abnett for the next great Aqua adventure." It just feels very abrupt. And uh, it reminds me a bit of uh, when uh, you found out that uh, Poochie was uh, died on the way back to his home planet. It was just very, very abrupt. What? I, I think uh, it's a Simpsons reference. Oh. Um, but it's part of the culture, for God's sakes. Anyway, look, this run was, I think, a complete mistake. And I think DC acknowledged that. They realized it. And they just got rid of it as soon as possible. I, I, this Is this the worst Aquaman ever? No, but it's pretty close. Uh, I'm not going to blame Colin Bunn because people whose uh, opinion I respect, particularly like Mike Gillis, says that some other stuff that Bunn has written is really good. So I'll take Mike at his word. Uh, this run I just thought was it started off pretty weakly and just nosedived. So that's it. It's over. 
Uh, Dan Abnett, who has written Aquaman before in bits and pieces, takes over uh, without the number number 49. Uh, the cover we've already seen is by Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, so we think we kind of know that DC is realizing uh, <laughs> this will begin to make things right or whatever. Um, so, you know, this is it. I, I don't, I'm not going to bother getting into the stories because I just thought the whole thing was a, a giant wash. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether DC even collects this in a mm. trade. I guess they will. They kind of have to. But, uh, well, I think I, I would almost be underlining it, you know, like, no. um, but this, this, this thing was snake bitten from the beginning. The one part that I liked the most, Trevor McCarthy, he ended up folding, he ended up leaving like a third, three issues into the run. All right, so, you just said you're not going to bag it anymore. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. I'm going to say, I'm going to say some nice things. Go right ahead. Um, I liked in, was it 49, the last one? 48. Uh, there's a great moment where Aquaman and Mera are reunited. In fact, I think there was on Twitter – I think I saw it in the Aquaman Shrine, so Joe probably did this. But they posted this panel of Aquaman and Mera kissing, and it said and described it as something like one perfect panel or something like that, I think it was. Yeah, on the Twitter feed, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice page of Aquaman yeah, it's and It's a full and page Mera. of the two of yep. them, yeah. Of, of smoochy smoochin', yep. and, which was very nice, seeing them back together finally. Um, it, also, an, another thing this run gave us, it finally gave us Aqualad and Aquaman together working together at mm-hmm. the very end here. Mm-hmm. Um Again, how you get – it's sort of like a, the journey – like if you go on a long trip on a – speaking as a father of two, when you go on a long trip with your family, the journey pretty much sucks. It just really does. The right. kids are screaming. It's horrible. You, you, you just you, – you regret it the whole time. But then when you finally get to Wally World, it's all good. Everything's fun. So it's like you know, this was the journey, and it left us in the right place. So that's what matters. We'll turn this run around right now. <laughs> so, uh, so issue 50 comes out when? March? Uh yeah, all right. And then Very supposedly exciting. uh the whole book start the whole series starts over in a couple months after that. I was gonna say, have we heard anything about the new number one or anything? Nothing much, nothing more than that. But basically, it is happening that the whole line is starting over. But that's all. That's a topic for another episode. Okay, all right. So, anything else on Aquaman? No, I'm ready to go to get on the Firestorm. <laughs> Wow, that didn't take long at all, folks. Okay, we are going to talk about Firestorm. The Fu- I'm sorry, the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number twenty six. So uh, now, Rob, when you know how I do this, you know we um, I like to do the whole on the shelf thing nowadays. When I talk about an older comic, I like to do the on the shelf segment, and I have limited myself. I forced myself first to find out first, you know, the month that this comic came out, and decided to narrow it down to just five other comics that came out that same month to talk about. Uh, there's a million good ones, and this was really hard to pare it down. But the five comics that came out in that same month that I felt like we were talking about. Justice League of America, number 229. Rob, Rob what's it about? 229? Mm-hmm. That is the uh, middle chapter of the Mars, uh, inv- Mars Earth War. Very good. Excellent. With a beautiful trick patent cover. Uh, absolutely love the Mars Earth War. And it led to my beloved Justice League Detroit. Which we so. covered on an episode of the Fire and Water podcast many years ago. We did. With Frank, unfortunately. But anyway. <laughs> uh, guess what? Else? You're not going to believe this. There's a whole bunch of number ones that came out this same month that just blew me away that are still going strong in one form or another. So, uh, by the way, I should, I should mention when this is. These all came out in May 1984. So, man, that's a long time ago. Um, all of this, uh, courtesy of Mike's Amazing World of Comics, by the way. Power Pack number one. I love this comic. Louise Simonson and uh, June Brigman and Bob Wycheck. Oh, did you ever read Power Pack? I read the first couple, and then I, I kind of was like, eh, I don't want to read about a bunch of kids. But I remember thinking it was like a good book. You know, It wasn't like I thought it was a bad book. It, was just, it just didn't appeal to me. It was just interesting that they could write a book about four little kids and make it compelling. And the artwork, oh my god, like the snarks, 
still are some of my favorite character designs. In fact, I bought the classic, uh, the trades, Power Pack Classic, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, not too long ago, and my intention is to read them with my daughter pretty soon. So, love it. All right, also that month, West Coast Avengers number 1, the miniseries, with that awesome cover of Hawk, Hawkeye with his arm raised and all these silhouetted faces. You don't know who joins the team. I no next. No next. <laughs> that's for who's who you're going to confuse the people at home uh roger stern bob hall and brett beating i loved west coast Avengers. i did what? too i love that book you know i bought that one in hardcover now i think about it recently too God, what is it i keep rebuying comics already <laughs> you're such a sucker oh this next one i'm sure you probably got the giant artist edition of this one this is transformers number one <laughs> Seriously, Transformers number one came out this same month, May 1984. Now, you laugh, and I know how you feel about Transformers, but check out the creative team. Bill Mantlo, my beloved Bill Mantlo, who does amazing you know, toy tie-in books, uh, Ralph Macchio and Frank Springer. Okay. Come on, that's a pretty good pedigree right there. All right, great. And the last one... Probably just just almost knocked me over. I just couldn't believe it when I when I got to it. It makes perfect sense. But May 1984, folks, saw the release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Oh Lord! Wow. Yeah, that's how old this comic is that we're about to talk about. Wow. <laughs> Can you remember a time when there wasn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I do. I remember. I shopped at a comic shop when I remember when it came out. Like that. Yeah. I remember that being kind of like a thing. Like, oh, did you read this comic or whatever? I, I don't know why I'm pretending like I talked to other people at the comic shop, but I just, I just do. <laughs> I, I just do remember it being a thing when it came out. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I I started collecting it on issue five is when I started buying it. So, And uh, I know Kyle Benning will be thrilled to hear that. And a little shout-out. He loves the Turtles. So, All right, folks. Fury of Fires from the New Command, number 26, cover dated August 1984, on the shelves May 10th, 1984. So if you want to go back and pick up a pristine copy of this or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, <laughs> ju- jump in your Rip Hunter's uh, Wave Rider ship. And uh, fly on back there to May 10th, 1984. Thanks again to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for that information. The cover, it's an all-black cover, and you've got Firestorm sorted towards the bottom, and Black Bison is leaping out from behind his Firestorm's own logo and uh, about to, uh, I don't know whether you call that a pile driver. I don't, I don't know my wrestling terms, but he's about to land on Firestorm's head. He's giving himself a hot foot there. And uh, it's art by... Raphael Cannon and Romeo Tangal, and what do you think of the cover? Oh, I love it. I love it. very simple. I, you know, I love the all black. I think it's terrific. Uh, it, my only tiny, tiny little complaint is Firestorm's uh, right foot. It looks like he's standing on something, so it kind of looks like he's dancing a little. Uh-huh. Like if he had just, <laughs> if they had just tilted it a little, then he'd be flying, and it wouldn't look so silly. He just looks like he's really grooving here. You know, that's the only thing. I can't unsay. Sorry. Now. If you just, if, if Raphael kind of had just tilted the foot the way the other one is tilted, it would look fine. That's you the only thing. Ruined one of my favorite covers. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> I think it's a great cover. I mean, the way Black Bison is clearly ambushing Firestorm, like a sneak attack, just looks great. And Bison just looks so dramatic in that pose. The I mean, colors really down. pop. It looks great. It's terrific. Yeah, it's it's terrific. a great cover. So well done, guys. Well done. Okay. So this issue is entitled Give Me Liberty. Give me death. Please note, it, there is no or in the middle of that. That's interesting. Because, uh, you know, the famous quote is, give me liberty or give me death. So I, I wonder if that's, there, there's, a, there's something behind that. So this is a Jerry and Carla Conway, Rafael Cannon, Roden Rodriguez, Adam Kubert, Nancy Houlihan, joint. And uh, interesting, in the credits, <laughs> technical advice is credited to Professor M. Stein. Which cracked me up. That's hilarious. They actually gave Professor Stein credit for technical advice. So if you step back from this at a 10,000-foot level, 
because that's for you, Rob. At a 10,000-foot level, there, there's no real what this story's about, but there is a theme that's a reoccurring theme in this. And the theme is that the ends don't justify the means. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme in this issue. For example, uh, Black Bison and Silver Deer, well, they're, they're fighting for the fair treatment and, and um, you know, justice, really, for, for the Native American people. That's a, that's a fair and honorable thing that they're working on, but they're going about it the wrong way. They're go, doing it through criminal actions. Also, uh, another theme in the story is Senator Riley. We're going to talk about him. He's paying the consequences right now for trying to save his daughter who had been kidnapped. Well, that's the right thing to do, but the way he went about it, he let them coerce him into giving a, a vote for a major monopoly, you know, major energy company. So, um, so, again, that seems to be the theme here is that the ends don't justify the means. All right, so this sucker is 23 pages long with five distinct scenes. So when the story opens, we uh, just to give you a little, you probably need to back up and give you a little history. Uh, in the last issue, we, we ended on a cliffhanger. And Black Bison and Silver Deer, both Native American-themed villains, they were escaping. They were heading to Washington, D.C. And Firestorm had just been bitten by a poisonous cobra, and the venom was racing through his body. Um, to make things worse... Black Bison actually he used to, it's a bizarre kind of ending. He used his ability to animate inanimate objects. He animated a toy store full of stuffed animals to attack Firestorm. So Firestorm was practically drowning in stuffed animals at the end of the story, screaming, "This is stupid! I can't die this way." So when uh, when this story opens, all the stuffed animals now I guess they've the the spell has worn off because they're not attacking him anymore. But um, so the scene opens. Firestorm's collapsed on the ground. He's covered in stuffed animals, and he is suffering from this venom horribly. And uh, Firestorm realizes his life is in danger. He knows that he could die very soon. Unfortunately, the bystanders and the cops around are completely clueless to Firestorm's danger. They think it's kind of funny. I mean, here's this guy, Firestorm, who sort of looks ridiculous anyway. He's covered in stuffed animals. They, they think it's pretty comical, when in reality, that's not at all. So Firestorm uses his atomic restructuring powers to turn some of the toys into a tourniquet and a suction pump, basically, to suck the venom out of his leg, where he got bit. And it's sort of fun, because actually the thing he uses to suck the venom out is he uses a toy frog, and they, it has another toy, like, pump it and stuff. It's really quite adorable and clever how he uses his uh, atomic restructuring powers to do this. So... After he gets the venom out, Firestorm is still very woozy, but he flies off to go try and chase down Black Bison and Silver Deer. Now, the next scene is uh, near, near the Statue of Liberty. Firestorm intercepts a helicopter that is transporting our, our two villains. A big battle ensues. Uh, with Firestorm, he's at a very, he's very distinct disadvantage here. I mean, he's, he's still woozy, he's still sick, but he's doing his best. Black Bison actually hangs out of the copter, like hangs on with one hand and just, you know, sort of hangs out there on the ledge and is fighting Firestorm physically. They're punching him, they're doing so, he's using his coop stick, magical powers. There's one really cool scene where Black Bison calls upon the spirit of his people to give him super strength, and he punches the living crap out of Firestorm. He goes flying so far back, he goes all the way to the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, I don't know my geography, Rob, but is the Brooklyn Bridge anywhere near the Statue of Liberty? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. It's it not, is. yeah, it's not, it's not 50 feet, but it's not 10 miles either. So Firestorm could, in theory, be punched hard enough from the Statue of Liberty to the Brooklyn Bridge? Sure. Okay. Right. Sure. I, I've been in to this the... heightened reality, yes. <laughs> I mean, I've been to the Statue of Liberty. I don't remember seeing the Brooklyn Bridge from there, but whatever. So, um, let's see. So then, um, then it gets a little crazy. Black Bison uses his weird sort of animation powers to animate the Statue of Liberty. Yes, folks, that's right. We have two pages of a fight scene between Lady Liberty and the Nuclear Man. So, <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 totally stole this. Oh, they did. They absolutely And you know Dan Aykroyd was a huge Firestorm fan. Um, I, and I just made that up. But uh, So it, Firestorm ends up 
transmuting the Statue of Liberty into a giant inflatable boxing toy. Like those kinds they used to have in the 80s, the big blow-up sort of roundish you things. You pop them and they just fl- fly yeah. right back at you. Yeah. Exactly. They have like sand in the bottom sort of thing. So he turns her into one of those. And then as he flies away later, she deflates. And he never fixes it. So <laughs> he's going to kill tourism. As far as I know, in, 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 in the DC universe, there's no Statue of Liberty anymore. So anyway, uh, this distraction allowed uh, uh, Black Bison and Silver Deer to escape. And they're heading for Washington, D.C. And we find out they're going to a particular embassy. We don't know which, though. All right. Then the uh, third scene is our subplot check-in where we find Senator Riley. Uh, he's, uh, as I mentioned, sort of hinted at in the earlier, he's facing an ethics committee investigation. The gist of it is he, his daughter was kidnapped. And they said, if you don't vote a certain way on a bill, we're going to kill your daughter. And so he was coerced into voting against his principles and uh, to save his daughter. However, you know, it all came out that he was he had done this. He had been coerced to take a vote. But the thing is, he won't tell anyone his daughter was kidnapped. So the public just see him as allowing his vote to be bought, but he won't say why he did it. So everyone's sort of crucifying him in the press. Well, uh, we catch up with this dirty lobbyist named Mr. DeSalvo, who had just tried to bribe Riley. And Riley stood by his ethics and said, no, I'm not going to take a bribe. Well, DeSalvo's ticked. So to get revenge, he actually, DeSalvo talks to a reporter and insinuates that Riley's taking bribes from him, which uh, this just helps ruin Riley's image even further. So it's very sad. So then we go to the next scene uh, in Washington, D.C. Firestorm and Firehawk end up meeting up, and they go looking for Black Bison and Silver Deer. And they find the helicopter that they were chasing earlier as it's about to crash into the Potomac. So there's a really, really nice couple pages of their power usage as uh, Firehawks. There's this flock of birds flying right for the helicopter, which is going to give the helicopter all kinds of trouble. So she uses her flaming powers to, to move the birds along, and it's just beautifully rendered the way they drew it. Firestorm uses his powers to transform the helicopter into a giant soda bottle, which is hilarious because he knows that it, once it hits, he can't stop the helicopter from crashing into the river. So he figures, I might as well cr- turn it into something that can float. So inside this giant soda bottle is, is the pilot just sitting inside the soda bottle. It's hilarious. And so uh, it's just a fun scene. Firestorm creates a giant bottle opener and everything. It's good. So it turns out that the, uh, it's only the pilot. Black Bison and Silver Deer are gone. So, uh, what happened was they, the pilot took them to this embassy that we talked about a moment ago, and Silver Deer hypnotized him into crashing the helicopter after he dropped him off. So Firestorm and Firehawk fly off looking for um, Black Bison and Silver Deer. They mention that they have kind of an idea where they might be, but they're not sure. And by the way, that's the end. That's that, We're not going to see Firestorm and Firehawk again in this issue. So then we go to this undisclosed embassy. They don't come right out and say it, but it appears to be the Soviet Union's embassy because everyone's saying comrade to each other. And we know that they're not uh, – we know that they're enemies of the United States. So Silver Deer is there. She's coordinating with this ambassador, and apparently she's got this whole thing worked out. They're planning for tomorrow. There's going to be a big gala. It's all going to be casino-themed. They've got casino tables. It's going to be a costume ball, a charity. All of Washington, D.C.'s officials are going to be there, but we don't know why. We don't get that answer. So Silver Deer um, sort of explains to Black Bison privately that she's not only the daughter of Coyote the Trickster, which explains her shape-changing powers, but she's also the child of Brass the Gambler. So she has the ability to control the outcome of games of chance. So that's kind of one of her abilities, which I'm really glad I read that. Because when I read her statistics in the role-playing game, and they said she had the ability to affect games of chance, I'm like, where the hell is that coming from? Now it makes more sense. So um, like, so she has the ability to affect games of chance, sort of like Qui-Gon Jinn with chance cubes. you know? Yeah, just like that. Just like that. So uh, apparently somehow this is this, – this the ability to control the games tomorrow night is going to uh, give Silver to the ability to control the officials somehow, she says. So these government officials that are going to come, somehow this will allow her to control them. 
Black Bison starts to express some of his confusion over this whole plot and confusion over himself. So she does what any uh, intelligent villain would do. She then seduces him, and they uh, they have the, the sexy sex right there on the craps table. And uh, you can tell because there's all kinds of subtle imagery, not even remotely subtle, of the ball rolling. Her hand opens. The ball rolls and lands right between the 7 and the 11, which is like the winning thing in craps. It's, yeah, okay. So uh, a lot of innuendos there. Anyway, next issue, War Dance. So that is the end of this issue. You don't even get a letters column. So what did you think, Rob? Uh, it's fun. I mean, I, I think I say that every single issue, but it so is. 26 so far. Yeah, I mean, it is. Conway's just doing a great job. Uh, I like uh, the fact that uh, Bison and Sylvadier kind of get, like, scenes to themselves. I like them being, like, nice to one another. You don't get a lot of that in supervillains. Like, most yep. supervillains are snarling and, you know. Like, the only couple I can really think of is, like, Joker and Harley. And that's kind of like a, you know, an abusive relationship. But uh, these two really like one another, and it's like it's I don't know. It's nice that Conway gives those gives these guys moments to breathe. It's got a lot of Firehawk. I've already talked about how much I like Firehawk. <laughs> uh, you've you've said how beautifully rendered it is, and it is. The art is terrific. The colors are terrific. Uh, the sequence, the big one page shot of Firestorm descending on the Statue of Liberty, looks great. Uh, very hard angle to draw the human body in too. Like that was just like way extra effort. For Raphael Cannon and to draw a firestorm like that—that's that's worthy of Russ Andrew kind of crazy pose. So uh, yeah, it's a really solid good. It's a—I mean, these two villains aren't like you know top tier firestorm villains. I would say they're certainly no Slipknot, but it's a really <laughs> it's a really fun story. And you know, Conway continues to juggle all these plots pretty well. Uh, he actually gives a lot less of like the sort of Earthbound stuff with like. Felicity and all the other characters back at the high school, Cliff Carmichael. It really sticks to just the super super superhero supervillain storylines, and it's uh, it's really quite enjoyable. You make a good point. Yeah, we get absolutely no subplot with Bradley High, with Felicity Smoke, or even Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's an all Firestorm. Firestorm. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, we talked about the nice things about the art. I do have some criticism this time. Um, even though, I, like you said, the poses are really good, and, and some of the pages are beautifully rendered, the colors really pop this time. I'm not sure, I can't necessarily explain why, but they're really, really pop this time. Um, the art... We do have extent, a different colorist this time. Oh, it could Na- be too. Nancy Houlihan. That's, That's true. Um, the art does feel a little off to me, though. And you can see it in, uh, in certain places, like the faces. The faces just aren't quite right especially like stein's face if you look at professor stein's face you'll see what i mean you're like oh yeah that isn't quite right and i don't know whether it's maybe Raphael did looser pencils and Roden did you know a lot more embellishing or maybe it's the other way around i don't, I don't know what it is but it's not bad it's just this it, it, isn't like the last issue was absolutely gorgeous from cover to cover uh, I remember complimenting how hot Silver Deer was repeatedly last time. I mean, I was just going on and on about it. You don't get any of that this time. In fact, Silver Deer isn't as pretty this time around. And it comes down to the faces again. So I, something was a little off this issue. But it's not in the panel layout. It's not in the design. It's not in the, um, what am I trying to say? When the, I guess design and layout of the page. It's not in that. It's just in the fine details. So, but it, it's not bad. It's certainly not. You're, you're not going to turn your nose up at it. It's just not what I was kind of you know used to for the last couple issues. So I'm sure it will get right back to model next issue. But it's just something worth noticing. Um, I love the bit with the snake venom tourniquet and the frog. Mm-hmm. I just think that's absolutely adorable. That is so cute. One thing I was wondering though is the idea to create the tourniquet and, the, and to suck the venom out. Did that idea come from Ronnie or the professor? The way it's written, it looks like it came from Ronnie, which is sort of surprising. Well, you can have an idea once in a while. <laughs> 
<laughs> really. I mean, you know, it doesn't always have to be professor. And that's that's a nice way to change it up. That you know, you don't always have Professor Stein bailing Ronnie out. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, I really liked Bison this issue. Um, like some sometimes he's you know he's been a little cornball sometimes sometimes he's been you know when he's over the top when he's really possessed but this time he seemed to kind of have his faculties about him and when he used that power to get super strength from the spirit of his people that was cool I really dug that it, I just uh, it, it can't it, like it surprised me I was like wow that's a cool power really dug that so the Statue of Liberty uh, to to me. That is some serious Bronze Age wackiness. Like, yes. I would love to see if someone could put together a tumbler of, like, every time the Statue of Liberty was animated in the DC universe. Because <laughs> um, I'm sure it had to happen a bunch. I, I know Firestorm's had at least two encounters where he transmuted the Statue of Liberty. This one, and in the Superpowers mini-comic, he turned the Statue of Liberty into um, Kryptonite, if I remember right. <laughs> so, uh, just, I don't think anyone could get away with this. Turning the, the Statue of Liberty in uh, to something. You did to... it. You finally did it. You <laughs> bastards. <laughs> I don't think somebody could get away with the, that in the post-crisis universe. I don't think so. Um, we've already talked about the copter and the, it's just, the copter battle. It's, it's there's just a series of fun pages. Those pages with the copter and, and Firehawk and turning it into the soda bottle, those, those are just fun. There's, there's a nice nod in here how they say Black Bison was disavowed by all the other Native American tribes in the United States. I thought that was kind of, it was just, it's in the text, it's just barely mentioned, but it's just sort of a nod to, I don't know, it made me feel like it was a little more reality, that rather than one of the tribes going, yeah, this, this crazy dude's ours, yeah, they all disavowed him, so that's kind of nice. Um, what else here? The sexy sex? So what do you think? You think they had sex on the, on the craps table? Uh, I, I don't know if it, I, I don't miss, I didn't take it that way when I read it. I mean, she was being physically close with him, but I didn't take it to be necessarily sex, but okay. I didn't always pick that up. You know where my mind goes. So. Yeah. That's with her hand opening, the ball rolling out, landing in the 7 and the 11. I just don't know. Um, the lobbyist storyline with Senator Riley. Well, I thought it was pretty clever of the, of, the, of the lobbyist to talk to the reporter. That subplot's taken too long. That, this has been going on for months. It is time for them to resolve that. I hope they resolve it very soon. And then uh, last thing, the first two pages are just like so cool. There's some really nice angles. There's some really nice shadows. There's some really outlandish imagery with the stuffed animals and weird shapes and sizes and stuff. Like, I actually got like a Michael Golden vibe off the first two pages, and that's a hell of a compliment. Yes, yes, it is. You think about uh, Raphael Cain, and this is his first really ongoing series, and that's just the sense. I like. It reminded me of early Micronauts, so that's the kind of the vibe I got, which is big thumbs up. So, all in all, very fun issue. In two or three months. We're going to be covering a very bizarre one, Rob. We're going to cover annual number two very soon. And it's, a tr- it's almost a text piece. The whole thing is it's like it's basically a text comic, an extra length text comic, with just a few images here and spot images here and there. Hmm. Very bizarre. So I things to look forward, forward to. It. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, uh, Jerry actually had a co-writer on that one. And then this is issue 26, so next month we'll cover 27. And after that, you know it's 28, right? That's what? The issue, this, the issue that this series has been building to since oh, 2011. Slip, Slipknot. The introduction of major movie star Slipknot. <laughs> Can't friggin' wait. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for Firestorm and Aquaman this month. Uh, right now, we're going to go to break. The first thing you're going to hear is a brand new song from our buddy Luke Dobb. It is called Cold Hearted Killer, and it is about... F- it's about Killer Frost. He's written a Killer Frost song. And we thought this would be the perfect week to play it because um, when this episode is released, in just a few days, 
Uh, Danielle Panabaker will make her debut as Killer Frost on The Flash. So we're actually going to get Killer Frost in The Flash this week. It's the perfect time to hear Cold Heart... Cold... Is it cold-hearted or cold-blooded? Cold-hearted killer. There it is. Thank you. Cold-hearted <laughs> killer from our good friend, Mr. Luke Dobb, the most dashingly creative man in the world. And then after that, we're going to play a podcast promo for another one of our friend's shows. And on the backside, we are going to cover your feedback. You're so cold. You need my fire. You're so cold. I'm your burning desire. You're so cold. You're getting up on me, you're so cold Because you're needing my heat You got me feeling like I need to compete You're the chill in the air, you're the ice on the street Your love's a battle, babe, you've already lost You're a cold-hearted killer, baby, killer frost You're so cold Girl, you're sub-zero, you're cold Silvery dress, you're so cold. Yeah, you're emotion. 
Hi, this is FKA Jason's son again. I want to take a moment of your time to thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, Silver and Gold. Because so many people downloaded it, he and his friend Roy Charlemagne Clary have decided to keep making more episodes, which means I am saved from hearing boring Captain Adam and Booster Gold facts from them all the time. If you like these characters and haven't heard the Silver and Gold podcast, I urge you, for my sanity, to check it out. You can find new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Shout Engine, or at my dad's blog, www.captainadamblog.com. Follow FK Jason on Twitter for updates about the show. Also, please don't mention this commercial to him. He has no idea I recorded it and thinks all of you are listening to the podcast willingly. Don't burst his bubble. He's delicate like a flower. Silver and Gold Podcast, the best podcast devoted to Booster Gold and Captain Adam on the whole internet. Probably. Quite the team you've assembled, Manhunter. Well, except for Batman here. Say what? The guy has no superpowers. Not even a lame one. And yet, everyone here thinks he's the greatest superhero in the universe. Because it's true. (gasps) Boom. You're dead. Boom. You're dead again. Boom, boom, boom. That's all it would take. Sir, you are crossing a line. All right, folks. We're back from break, and now it's time for... Listener's Feedback! And we're going to be covering your feedback from last month's review episode, which was episode 149. So we're going to cover all that today. This is specifically to that episode. So we're going to start off with a letter from our buddy, Charles Coletta. He says, uh, now, just a reminder, folks, last episode we covered Aquaman, we covered Firestorm, and we covered Lady Cop. Lady Cop. First issue special, Lady Cop. And I think it's fair to say, based on these comments, I think Lady Cop got the majority of the comments. Well, I spent the most time on it, so. (laughs) Rob did gush and gush and gush. Nothing less than she deserves. It's true. That's true. So, all right. So, Charles Coletta writes in. He goes, love the Lady Cop talk. And then uh, he mentions, did you happen to see that Liza Warner made her live-action debut earlier this year on Arrow? She was played by Rutina Wesley. Oh, Charles, you should have stuck around for the stinger because that's what it was from. (laughs) Perfect. And then he asked, have you guys ever done an episode on the various Aqualads and Aqua Girls? I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of them. 
we have not. I'd be game for that. Yeah, I could do that. I love uh, Tula. I, I'm not. I'm sorry. I like Tula, but the uh, the new Aqua Girl, Lorena Lorena Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, I love that character. Me so, too. Yeah. yeah we could we could spend a good amount of time talking about that. Yeah, yep. I'd be up for that. Yep. Uh, we got an email from Plum Zapluk again. Great character from Amazing Man. Rob, just like you, I've been extremely disappointed with the recent Aquaman issues. But unlike you, I've decided to drop Aquaman until the book gets a new writer or the book improves. This is all coming from someone that started reading Aquaman with the new 52 incarnation with him being the superhero that got me into comics. But this version of Aquaman has just drawn me off with its overextended story, too high off a price, and changing a creative team I really liked, Jeff Parker and Paul Pelletier. Well, Plum, just come back at number 49 and uh, see if you like this new, the new, new, new incarnation of Aquaman. You mean issue 50? No, 49. Well, what came out this week? 48. Oh, yeah. I See how that works. goes in order. 48, 49. <laughs> Is that how it works? Wait. I, I Between my fingers and toes, I can only get to 20. After that, it's all a mystery to me. Uh-huh. So, uh, We heard from our buddy Siskoid. He says, uh, you're right. There are lots of awesome stuff in First Issue Special. I personally love Atlas and Green Team as well. Uh, and he says that um, Gail Simone and Arrow shows have given uh, Liddy Cop some love post her pilot life i like that and he says he's kind of jealous that we got to the lonely heart i got to the lady cop before his lonely hearts podcast did they didn't they provide the voice talent for lady cop yes yeah isabel gugan or i'm sorry i'm mispronouncing her name but one of the cast members from the romance romance comics theater was the voice of lady cop so thank you very much isabel it was great Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, which is joining the Fire and Water Podcast Network, by the way. That's right. Then we heard from our, our, our buddy Earth 2 Chris, which is Chris Franklin from the Supermates Podcast, who's also joining us. He says, Silver Deer definitely needs some Ryan Daly love. No, not that kind. No one wants to see that. <laughs> uh, he says, Lady Cop sounds like a lot of win. I'd say that Angie Dickinson's Police Woman series was a big influence on this comic, as well as the generic cop show genre that was huge back in the 70s. And then he says, John Rosen. Uh, Rosenberger drew some Lois Lane and Supergirl over in the Superman family after this. And he says, it was nice to hear Rob happy about comics two weeks in a row. There we go. And by the way, everybody who likes First Issue Special, you'll like next week's episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. Just saying. Uh, we got an email. What, what are we doing next week? You're know. off. I got, oh. I got plans. Oh, oh man. I'm going to miss it. Darn it. Yeah, yeah, too bad. I'm going to be at uh, a Doctor Who convention. Nerd. You know who I'm hanging out with? Uh, Gutierrez, I know. David I, 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 Gutierrez. Am, I, am, I am jealous about that. Not the Doctor Who convention part, but I'm jealous about that. Did I tell you I'm staying at his house? No. What, is he an idiot? Yeah, well, no. He, um, I, he's sleeping in the garage. I'm crashing in his room. And, uh, and his son, I think they've actually shipped him off just to get him so I'm not, so I can't influence him. So. That's a good idea. And by the way, none of this is true, but I just wanted to scare David pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but Shag's coming here? What? <laughs> uh, I got an email from Michael Chascuro. Uh, so during the listener feedback section, Zoom called the backup feature. You guys do backstrokes and backdrafts. Have you officially named it? If yes, what do I win? All caps. <laughs> I recall hearing that a Justice League t-shirt was being offered years ago when this first got announced. Uh, in between posting to my non-existent battle blog, I've also been busy beating some classic Fury of Firestorm issues thanks to your podcast. I read the Tokamak Run, Sha- Sh- Tokamak Run Shag's Tokamak. favorite. Tokamak, sorry. It was a blast. What wonder what a wonderfully wacky run with too many things going on that by right should not have worked, but damn it, it all came together somehow. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions uh, Lady Cop. He says, I'm, I'm, um, Lady Cop, well, now I know what Rob was posting on Facebook. As always, you guys keep finding hidden gems from our youth, which just means that my back issue comics wish list continues to go exponentially. And kudos on your decision to drop the current Aquaman run coverage, Rob. No need to waste your time on a book you don't like. Now you've freed up more time for yourself for some first issue special reading. 
<laughs> and I did. I read the. I read every single issue of First Issue Special. Did yeah. you really? Yeah, I got the whole run. That was Green Team. That, that's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, Michael Chiaroscuro is absolutely right. There is a Justice League T-shirt, which was kindly donated by uh, Russell, Russell Burbage. Burbage yeah. By the way, it's still sitting right here on my shelf in the tin and everything. It's a great shirt. It's a reproduction of the George Perez cover. Um, what issue is that? Two seventeen. Two hey, seventeen. Very good. 217. Yeah. Uh, Rob and I just need to get off our lazy butts and actually compile all of these things and do this. And it's been like you're right. Like we haven't named ago. it. We haven't. I think Zoom just called it that, but we haven't. We have. Yeah, not we haven't picked the name. winners yet. No. But uh, we we really need to get on that. But uh, right now, honestly, putting together the network is killing me. <laughs> it's uh, it's taking up like every free minute I have. Yeah, yes, so. it is. I promise, Michael, we will get to this. So I can't tell you the number of conference calls and screen shares and calls with Ryan Daly at midnight that I've had to do. He cries. I didn't know he cried so much. <laughs> anyway, um, heard from our buddy Ange. He says, so much fun this episode. I was a big fan of the Firestone book when it came out. Wait a minute. Was? I, I don't understand, Ange, what you mean there. But anyway, uh, count me in those who think Silver Deer is very attractive. Although I still wonder, with her power over games of chance, why she didn't just clean out the casinos, amass, amass a huge fortune, and wield power the old-fashioned way, economically. Super villains always miss the forest for the trees on that stuff. <laughs> well, Oliver's in a second going to come back with a good comment about that. He goes, uh, anyway, so Ange continues, I think the story ends up being a turning point for the title, though, and after this arc, I think the book takes a downturn. I think he's talking about Slipknot. How dare he? We're going to have words, me and Ange. Anyway, he says, love the Lady Cop issue, and I feel like I need to get my hands on it. I, yeah, he does want to get his hands on it. I also feel like I need to include those VD panels somewhere in a lecture. The silent killer like an underground river is brilliant. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Ange is a doctor. He's a genuine medical doctor. He teach, he's at an emergency room, and he does do lectures, medical lectures, and he always tries to incorporate comic book stuff into his lectures. So uh, this is where he's, he's saying it would be great to put the VD panel in lecture uh and he says, as for other first issue specials it's clear that james robinson is a big fan as atlas codename assassin and the blue skin starman all started in that title and became big parts of his runs he wrote particularly on S superman and jla that's very true now uh in regard to where Ange said he didn't understand where silver deer did just clean out the casinos Oliver C. responded, saying, um, See also the Fantastic Four adversary, the Wizard. If you were a scientific genius who invented a reliable means of nullifying gravity, would you A, patent the technology and legitimately reap billions in royalties from the airline companies, or B, strap on an anti-gravity um, anti backpack and fly around robbing banks? <laughs> Thank you, Oliver. That's brilliant. I love it. We heard from Spinks, he said, uh, in regard to the Firestorm cover, uh, this is the last issue of Firestorm, he goes, one of my favorite covers of all time, this is stupid, which was the quote that Firestorm yells, is great stuff. Very memorable cover. Little Russell Burbage said, in, man, I remember that cover of Lady Cop sitting on the comic track when I was a little kid. I was there for, it was there forever, because no little boy wanted to buy it. I think I may have picked it up and scanned it one week when there was nothing else new I wanted, but Lady Cop as a hero? No way, man. No <laughs> Uh, now I, angry, angry pants that little Russell Burbage. Yeah, he was part of the men's rights movement early. Now I wish I had totally picked up the issue. Thanks for sharing this, Rob. You're welcome. There we go. You're welcome, Russell, because I am so proud of Lady Cop. I still love it. He turned around. Good job, Russell. Heard from our buddy Martin Stein returns, which is Robert Gross. He says, for some reason, I see a lot of Lady Cop in the current Flash character of Patty. Huh, that's interesting. Patty being uh, Barry Allen's girlfriend. So, hmm. I can kind of see that. Now, they're both spunky. They're both, uh, you know, have a long history and was villains and stuff. So, yeah. 
Dale Russell writes in. He says, Lady Cop is awesome. <laughs> we do need it. <laughs> everybody loves it. We do need an ongoing series of Lady Cop. I love that everyone keeps saying Lady Cop. It's just fun to say. I nominate <laughs> I nominate the guy that writes Ace Kilroy. Y'all's love for comics for this y'all's love for this comic was infectious. And he says, When will you be reviewing Who's Who and Lady Cop? Sooner than you may realize, actually. Um, you know what? I, I'm glad he said that about uh, our, our enthusiasm being infectious because that's, that's what we shoot for. We, mm-hmm. we want mm-hmm. this show to always be a very positive force in the comics community. We don't always like the comics we, have to, we talk about, but we still try to find something positive. And um, it's been tough the last few months, but I think we're, <laughs> we've turned a corner. We've turned a corner, and uh, I'm excited. We're on a path for enjoying comics. It's all about to find your joy. I, I mean, I have to. We all have to say. I have to say. I don't know why I'm defending myself, really. But when you think about, it, we've now reviewed 48 issues of Aquaman, and I have been overwhelmingly positive on 40 of them. <laughs> yeah, like that's pretty good, you know. Yep. I mean, geez. So. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get going here. So Martin Gray then wrote in. He says, and in this episode, uh, I'm sorry, and this is the episode in which I learned I don't actually know what looking at an issue from the 10,000-foot level means. I assumed it meant an overview, but Rob's reference to Shag's recaps now had me wondering. Um, that's Rob just griping because he likes to gripe, <laughs> basically. I do. When I say I'm covering something at a 10,000-foot level, what I'm doing is I'm trying to pull back from the story and not talk about the individual scenes, but essentially what is the, the, the story or the thrust or the through line of the comic at a big picture. So that's what I'm trying to do. And then Rob kvetches and he gets all like... Nah, nah, nah. It just means we're in for a 30-minute dissertation on any comic book plot. That's what and you know what? These Firestorm comics are worth the time. That's true. Uh, David Ace Gutierrez, the aforementioned... Hey, my, my, my bunkmate. <laughs> the aforementioned garage-dwelling David Ace Gutierrez. <laughs> he says, wow, three mentions. And no, I'm not obsessed with Gal Gadot. However, I've started our registry at waitingforgodot.org. Oh, walk right into that one. God. Uh, <laughs> Van Z writes in. Uh, Van Z, I uh, should mention, now does the uh, All Star Comics podcast. Yeah. Uh, which first episode is out. It's terrific. Everybody should uh, listen to that. Dedicated uh, Golden Age Comics. Dead, yeah. Uh, he says, fan the, fan the flame, ride the wave, and be frisked by Lady Cop. Good episode. It was nice to hear a character I would normally avoid. I miss 70s comics. <laughs> There's lots of them to get, Van. Pick them up. Awesome. Heard from our buddy Ryan Daly, who's part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network with his shows. And he said, I can't believe I heard the word apotheosis on this podcast. <laughs> that had to be Rob saying it. That could not have been me. I, I got I to be careful because I got something wrong in the last two so <laughs> criticizing your grammar. So I got to be careful. That's true. I, I – I, well, it's, we'll save that for the Who's Who show. Anyway, heard from our, my buddy, my buddy, Doug Zuisha, who uh, runs the Doom Patrol blog. And uh, also his uh, other blog just hits on, like, Dead Man and all kinds of fun stuff, which has such a long title it's escaped me at the moment. But he says this is uh, – last issue was one of his favorite Firestorm covers ever, which is great. Good call, Doug. Then we're from James Gurton. He says, I would love to see a team up with Lady Cop and the female officer in Amnesty Bay. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I dig it. That's cool. I like it. I heard from Hugh DeMann, who did these wonderful Firestorm recaps. He, he reca- recapped all 100 issues of Fury Firestorm over at Comic Vine. Really thorough, long. You know what? I should just be reading those from now on. I shouldn't bother writing my own recaps. I should read Hughes. Anyway, check him out on Comics Vine. He says, uh, I always hope to see Silver Deer again. She was a pretty cool villain. He's absolutely right. Siskoid, uh, our pal Siskoid, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, he writes in, he says, Lady Cop is the greatest comic book ever published. <laughs> wow. Love no it. hyperbole there, buddy. <laughs> Jacob Edwards uh, wrote in, he said, just finished the newest episode of Fire and Water, another great episode. 
Thank you, Jacob. Randy Caldwell goes by Mr. Perturb said, I bought the first issue, number four, Lady Cop, a couple months ago. <laughs> I really spiked it. I think there's like – Dude, you know. you know, like right after our episode dropped, some other people who, who aren't connected with us necessarily, but boy, it's sure coincidence that in the same day we were promoting this show, somebody is writing back and forth to Gail Simone about Lady Cop in her comics. I got to think somehow – Something spread, and somebody saw Lady Cop mentioned. They decided to contact Kelsey. I think we did. I think we started a movement. I like to think so. Uh, Keith G. Baker writes in. He says we need a Lady Cop: The Night Shift Vertigo title or Netflix show ASAP. <laughs> I completely agree, Keith. I completely agree with that. And then finally, the last comment we've got here is from someone else. You know, we've been talking about a lot of folks that said that Silver Deer needs to come back. And here's another comment. It says, Silver Deer needs to make a comeback. She has not aged a day. And that comment, ladies and gentlemen, was from Raphael Cannon himself. Wow. Last issue and this issue. So very cool. Thank you, Raphael. super cool. Yeah, that is awesome. I love to get we hear from him. That's so cool. Uh, He's he's probably going to be mad at me after this episode because I wasn't. You know, I said some mean things about the art. I'm sorry, Raphael. Uh, Raphael, remember, I said all nice things. Just, just keep that in <laughs> mind. Uh, shared on their timeline. These are a lot of people who shared the episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm just going to give you the names, not the or Twitter names necessarily. So well, it's oh. it's fair to say this was Twitter. This is Facebook. Yes. This is Tumblr. This is you know, if they took the time to promote our show themselves, which is great, we appreciate it. Right. Uh, Ange, Blue Tyson, Buck, Cash Flag. Clinton Robison, Coffee and Comics blog, which is also Clinton. Dale Russell, Dr. G, Nerdologist, DSNRS, The Sutherlands, Jared West, J Slab, 425. Keith It never gets old. For you. Uh, Court Industries, Kyle Petit, Mr. Perturd, Richard Field, Siskoy, The Hammer Strikes, Trucker Talk, Viznu Ganon, and Willie Yarborough. With my interrupting, I, I don't know that Keith Baker got proper credit, and you missed a, a great opportunity to say Buck Rowlett. Oh, you forgot to Buck mention Rowlett. Buck Rowlett. We're, yeah, Buck Rowlett. Yeah. Buck <laughs> All right. Uh, then these are people who uh, liked the post or gave it plus ones or favorited it, whatever, across the various social medias. Just thank you for the attention, folks, and, and the appreciation. So quick running through this list, which is over 75 names long. Let me take a drink before we do that. <laughs> watermelon, cantaloupe, cantaloupe, watermelon. <laughs> what? That's generic crowd noise. It's a thing. <laughs> well, that was Diet Mountain Dew. I was taking a sip of. So here we go. Abel Padilla, Professor Alan Middleton, Andy Capellish, Anthony Durso, Army of Skanks, Bas, uh, oh, that's Bas, Bas Lavige, which is also from the uh, uh, Lonely Hearts podcast, yep. and I said his last name horribly wrong, Blue Tyson, Bradley Austin Null, Carlos Guillamarez, Cash Flag, Chris Vagello, Clinton Robinson, Coffee and Comics Blog, Corey Hodgson, Count Druncula, Dale Russell, Daniel HDR, Daniel Pascarella, David Escuderes, David Golding Artist, Dr. G, the Man of Nerdology, Don, the Sutherlands, Film and Water... That's you, Rob. You don't get it. Gareth Oliver, uh, Guadam Shioran, Gene Hendricks, Giancarlo Nurko, Gord uh, Tolton, Harlan Freilicker, Hugh DeMann, Icon, Iconu Ku 01. I don't know how to say that. Jacob Edwards, Jared West, Joshua Aguilar, Jay Slab, 425, Carl, Carl Disley, Kichi Baker, Ken Deemer, Kent Bayers, Kevin Culp, Cord Industries, Kyle Petit, Lauren Skinnis Art, Luke Dobb, Marty Light. You, you know Jay Slap doesn't even listen to the show. So, I mean, he's just, he's crawling in the bottom of a bottle anyway, so he doesn't even hear it when I make fun of him. All right, sorry. Uh, Luke Dobb, Marty Light, Max Romero, Mia Judkins, Mike Fedrick, Michael Pe- Peacock, Mr. Perturb, Oscar Lelelele, Raphael K. Annan, Richard Field, Robert Goat, Gross, Robert Ward, Lil Russell Burbage from Poughkeepsie. 
The Sutherlands again. Uh, Ryan Daly, Ryan Wings, Secret Origins Podcast, Sean Brock, Sean Engel. Sean, you know, that caught me by surprise. Uh, I, was, I was pulling the feedback, and we got a like from Sean Engel. And it was just a few days before he passed mm. away. Miss you, Sean. Uh, Sean Myers, Sin, Trucker Talk, Wagner Oliveras, Van Z, Vance Hainstead, Visnu Gana, Willie Yarbrough, Zeb Oswalt, and Zegas. Thank you, everybody. We really Zegas. appreciate it. <laughs> uh, also, we, we've got a, something, a little spotlight moment here. We want to give a shout-out to our buddy Zoom Yukinori. <laughs> We're doing what we uh, – we started this over on the Who's Who podcast. We get, it's a little segment we call Zoom's Who, Zoom Yukinori's addendum to the definitive directory of the DC Universe. Yeah, after the Lady Cop episode dropped, uh, he wrote in and said, uh, your latest FFW podcast is very enjoyable, gentlemen. Thank you. And then he sent this wonderful artwork, which was the DC Bullet, and in front of it is an original drawing of Lady Cop. It's not the DC Bullet, though. Well, what is it? Okay, well, it's the DC Bullet done as the Fire and Water podcast bullet, because you see F&W, but it's done in the style of the DC yeah, Bullet. Absolutely. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I, yeah, and this is the Lady Cop that appeared on the Gang Who's Who cover which we talked about in the last episode of Who's Who. It's Lady Cop running after somebody. It's it's wonderful. I get to see Lady Cop again. I'm so excited. I love it. it the fact that it's got the fire and water bullet behind it, I mean, it's like classic DC sort of iconography that we love. It's fire and water, which we're, through, we're very proud of. It's Lady Cop. It's like everything we love rolled up in one. Now, you would think, you would think he'd win a Steam Award for that. No. No, he doesn't. So he, sorry. He's got Steam Awards the way, uh, what's his name, Quincy Jones has Grammys. There's like 76 <laughs> of them or something. Tom Hanks has Oscars. Um, but you know what? Uh, and, and he's got his own little segment now, Zooms Who, so he's not getting a Steam Award for that. So instead, we're giving out two Steam Awards this week. The first winner is Zoom Yukinori. Wait, <laughs> didn't I just say he's not getting a Steam Award for that? No, he's getting a Steam Award for something else. That, that bastard. Zoom took it upon himself to bribe the judges this week, and, uh, or a couple weeks ago, and sent both Rob and I a batch of cookies for Christmas. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Zoom. They were absolutely delicious. My family thinks so as well. I didn't share much of them with them, but uh, I shared some. And he'd made these amazing like uh, gingerbread cookies where using icing, he, he did a design of Firestorm on one cookie and a design of Aquaman <laughs> on the other. They're adorable! They were how also long, delicious. I was say, how long did yours survive? Uh, well, the, the regular cookies never made it out of my office, but uh, the <laughs> Aquaman, Firestorm, they lasted like another day, and then I got hungry, and I was like, I'm going to eat them. So I did. It's kind of like me. I, I, I got them, and I just treasured them for a long time. Like, just let, you know, stared at them and then showed them to the kids and stuff like that. And then uh, it was about two days when I finally broke down. And I, it just like, I got to eat them. It just like did all Cookie Monster style. <laughs> so, Zoom, thank you for that. Yeah, enjoy your Steam Award. It is as tangible as Steam itself. So, and the other winner of the Steam Award is somebody who's very, very overdue. We should have given the Steam Award. Oh gosh, right months after ago. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I sincerely apologize to Darren and Ruth Sutherland. They were also extremely kind and bribed the judges and uh, mailed us each these awesome messenger bags. That they used an iron transfer process and have like my my I haven't seen yours, Rob, but my messenger bag, it's like a canvas brown color mm -hmm. and it act it has a giant firestorm image across it, which is 
I, they don't even know this probably, but that's actually the, the, desktop, the desktop on my computer. Uh, it's a, this fiery image of Firestorm and uh, him and Professor Stein. It's, it's gorgeous. It's actually a, a wallpaper that's created by a guy named Liquid Cross a long time ago. did the Indigo Tribe blog. But uh, it's a gorgeous image, and it makes a great bag. And uh, thank you guys so much. It was incredibly thoughtful. Uh, yeah, mine is uh, similar, except the 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 um, it's a page of Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Rod Reese uh, artwork featuring Aquaman and Mira. From oh, like, wow. I think it's from like Aquaman number four. It's the trench storyline, and it's like one of the great iconic shots of the two of them, and that's the side of the bag. And uh, in fact, uh, Darlin Tracy liked it so much she claimed the bag for herself. I've actually <laughs> not gotten to use it, so so if you guys could send me another one, Darren Root, that would be oh, my awesome. God. All right. Now, please do understand we are not endorsing people send us stuff. I mean, it actually – I feel kind of funny receiving gifts in the mail, but they're, I'm certainly not going to turn them away. And you guys are some of the most incredibly creative and talented folks in the whole world. The, the, the entire podcast listening community for Fire & Water Podcast is just amazing. You guys are wonderful, and yep. the show would be nothing without you guys. Yep. The, the, the feedback, the interaction, all of it, it is so rewarding for us, and I really feel like we've built an amazing community of friends uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching The Flash and Daniel Cynical Adams and I'll start texting each other. I mean, it's just crazy uh, how we've all just gotten to know each other, you know? So, well, Rob, I think that's going to do it. Folks, uh, head out to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter. It's the, uh, the at symbol FW Podcasts with an S, S. Head over to our Facebook page, Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, give us a, a like or a follow or whatever the heck it's called on Facebook, please. And, um, and the then- email is firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. There you go. You can also find Rob over at AquamanShrine.net. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. You can find us on uh, various social medias related to those two handles. And uh, anything else we're forgetting? I want to plug, I have a, uh, I just did a a new real retro cinema column. Uh, I did two, actually, since the last time I did a show. I did one on Meteor, the giant 1979 cheese fest starring Sean Connery. (laughs) And then I did uh, the one on the 1986 Little Shop of Horrors musical with Rick Moranis. And I have another column coming very soon on a really awesome, fun, pirate kind of adventure movie. Lady Cop the Pirate Adventure? Oh, that would be so awesome. I I swear, (laughs) Lady Cop TV series. I'm totally in love with that idea. (laughs) Netflix, get on that. Right, exactly right. Right right after Daredevil, season two. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm